Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. This episode is brought to you by Progressive. Most of you aren't just listening right now. You're multitasking. But what if you could also be saving money by switching to Progressive? Drivers who save by switching save nearly $750 on average, and auto customers qualify for an average of seven discounts. So multitask right now. Get your quote now at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates national average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations. In the Monday night game against the 49ers, there's a lot of people who really don't know who you are. You're not a really ultra-famous football player yet. Fourth round pick out of Cal, uh, and you really started to come on for the Niners. In the last seven minutes of this game, you had two interceptions. You stopped two drives of the 49ers. Describe what that was like for you, and if you've ever had a better quarter of football since you've been playing football. Um, no, I think that was for sure the best quarter I've ever had, especially the heightened um, environment of it being a Monday night game against um, the best team in the league at the time. And really, I feel like that was just a, a testament of preparation and staying true to the process because um, I've had chances this season to come down with some interceptions and whether it's missed opportunities or anything really and haven't come down to it, down with it. But I, in my mind, I'm just like, trust the process. The ball's going to come back to me. So it was really just that that heightened sense of awareness to make the plays that are going to come to me and don't miss any opportunities. Cam Bynum with Peter King. And one was a dive, one was a leap, two interceptions that killed a couple of drives where the 49ers could have pulled out a victory on Monday night in Minnesota. Some are wondering whether or not the, con- the interceptions thrown by Brock Purdy were influenced at all by the concussion with which he was later diagnosed. He took a huge hit just a couple of plays before the first interception on a quarterback sneak on third and one. It wasn't a quarterback push play. It was just a normal sneak. But Jordan Hicks came in hot and hit him in the head, and Purdy's in the protocol. He returned to practice on Thursday. If he doesn't get cleared to play Sunday when the Bengals come to town. It's Sam Darnold making his first start as a 49er. Peter, I, I, ha- I haven't researched this. I frankly wouldn't even know where to begin to research it. I can't imagine there's been many players over the years that have a concussion on Monday 
and are cleared to play by Sunday. And the trend in recent years has been away from even being cleared Sunday to Sunday with a concussion. I think Kenny Pickett is one of the rare ones who got clearance Sunday to Sunday in the past two years. But that's a lot to ask. A Monday night concussion, symptoms first emerge on the flight home. So by Tuesday morning, he's diagnosed. By Sunday, he's cleared to play. I don't think the people at the league office will be all that comfortable with an independent (laughs) neurologist coming to the conclusion that this is an acceptable thing to do. I will be surprised if Purdy plays. Well, I will too. But I will also say that independent neurologists have to be allowed to do their jobs. And if the independent neurologist says that that Brock Purdy is fine, he can play, he should play. And I do agree with you, Mike, that it seems like a uh, it seems like a bridge too far, absolutely, because it hasn't happened. And quite frankly, for Brock Purdy's sake, I hope it doesn't happen. But I'm not a neurologist, and so I can't. I I, I don't know. And I hate to say you have to trust the process, but unless you have some evidence that the process is being um, waylaid uh, by some team-friendly doctor, which clearly this has not been, and all you have to do is look at Jamal Adams and how he's treated the independent neurologists on sidelines and all that. You know, these guys do have independence. So, but Mike, I want to go back to something else you said before. And that is, you know, people think that maybe, possibly, whatever, that having been concussed now on the play that likely concussed him. uh, You know, I went back and I added up the numbers and get this. In Brock Purdy's first 187 passes this year, he threw one interception. Then there's the line of demarcation of the concussion. In his last six passes, he's thrown two. And here's the thing that that if we have that interception, the second one, now, you know, you're seeing the play where He gets hit in the helmet, and clearly this could have and likely was the play where he got concussed. But I just wanted to make the point that when I was watching that game Monday night and I saw that second interception that he threw downfield into traffic, my first thought was, Brock Purdy does not do that. He just doesn't do that. He does not throw the ball into traffic down the field when he has underneath options, okay? And underneath options that are open, okay? And, you know, clearly, I think that was Ray Ray McLeod. I'm not sure. But clearly, he wasn't open. And and so I'm not saying, see, brain fog, that did it. The concussion did it. I don't know what did it. All I can say is, and I'm on um, uh, 97.3 The Game in San Francisco, every Tuesday, late afternoon. And I said exactly that. I said, what was weird about that is that that's not a throw 
that you hardly ever see Brock Purdy make. He makes intelligent decisions downfield. He doesn't throw into traffic like that. So again, I don't know what happened. Uh, it could have nothing to do with it. So I don't know. But that was what I first thought when when that play happened. Well, and it was across the body, moving right, throwing back to the left. And when we showed that play, lots of purple helmets in the vicinity of that throw. Yeah. And it's impossible to really know when it first started to affect him. Chris and I talked about this the other day because he played in the NFL. He knows that mindset. There's a certain amount of just denial, competitive denial, when you've had your bell rung, as they used to say. I'm fine. I'm fine. We're in the middle of a game. I'm fine. You, you tell yourself you're fine. You fight it off as best you can. You know, in the old days, Peter, remember when they would blow up a receiver coming across the middle, the receiver's attitude always was, I'm going to pop up and I'm going to go back to the huddle and I'm going to smile the whole way so they don't know that they just obliterated yes. me yeah. and I feel like I don't know where I am. This is how I'm going to act so everybody yeah. thinks I'm fine. And now there, there's a real incentive to act that way because the moment you start showing any indication, you get into the blue tent. And uh, this gets to the culture and the idea. Look, regardless, it happens. It happens. Brock Purdy was not going to want to tap out of that game and let Sam Darnold come in and potentially win it. He wasn't going to do it. No one with a backup who is that close behind you. It's one thing if you are completely secure and your backup has no chance of taking your job. Sam Darnold, if he comes in and wins that game, who knows what happens next? I don't fault Brock Purdy if he was just holding it together as best he could knowing that because he did get blown up. It was a vicious hit to the head for which Jordan Hicks should be fine because he lowered his helmet and rammed it into an opponent. So uh, we'll see. We'll see what happens Sunday. But a lot of doctors practice defensive medicine, whether it's because fear of litigation or just fear of the worst-case scenario for the patient or in the case of whoever the independent neurologist is for Brock Purdy and the 49ers, if he has a head injury on Sunday again, the question is going to be, why was he cleared to play? Why was he cleared to play? Why did you clear him to play? He got another head injury, even though it's completely unrelated to the one that he just had. So, bottom line, 49ers are going to need to ride their defense a little bit more. The defense has not been great of late. It was not great on Monday night. Kirk Cousins shredded the 49ers. Here's Nick Bosa, one of the best pass rushers in football, addressing the question of whether his holdout that went all the way until just before the start of the regular season is affecting his performance half of the season in. I think a little bit. I think I'm trying to work on stuff on the run this year that I wasn't able to do in, in camp. Um, so those games that I mentioned, the two, um, I think I was thinking too much because I was trying to add something to my rush plan, or which is... Uh, not what I want to be doing during season. I want to be locked in on what I do best and just doing it throughout the whole year. But I'm, I'm, there's no excuse at this point for that. You know, it's another sign that when we get into training camp next year and guys are holding out and there's a general understanding that the clock strikes midnight just before week one, Maybe you should get these deals done before camp opens. Maybe it's in everyone's best interest to treat that as the deadline and everyone move to their bottom line and let's get these deals done because the player's going to be better off for it, Peter, and the team's going to be better off for it. When I hear Nick Bosa talk like that, it makes me think that everybody should have been at the table prioritizing getting his contract done before training camp opened. Well, 
in watching the 49ers play, I'm reminded of a, uh, of a conversation I had with John Lynch at training camp, the general manager of the Niners. And look, I think Lynch and Shanahan have done a great job. How can you not think that uh, in building this franchise over the last seven years? But I do think that, you know, before this season, and again, th- this season has not been played. It's, it's all, not, even half o- not even half over yet. But I just remember Kyle Shanahan and John Lynch having a conversation. They weren't intending to go out and to do something uh, in spending in free agency because they knew that they had a lot of players that they were going to have to pay coming up. So they weren't going to be that active in free agency. But Kyle Shanahan said to Lynch, man, this Javon Hargrave is really impressive. Can we get involved in him, with him? Should we get involved with him? To the point that Lynch felt like he had to ask Jed York, the owner, uh, whether you know he would be okay if they got involved. And Jed York actually stopped at his house, Lynch's house, on a Saturday before, I think it was before his son's youth baseball game. And Lynch said, listen, I know we weren't going to spend money on this, but we're interested in this player. What do you think? And York said, go for it. And I only bring up that story because Kyle Shanahan wanted to have a defense like he had in 2019, which is the ability to withstand even a key injury. You know, they have so many good impact players on defense that you can withstand an, in, withstand an injury or two, which almost every year is going to happen. And this defensive front is not playing like that, Mike. And I think as much as you can say, well, you know, I got a problem with Jake Moody missing 41 and 40-yard field goals in consecutive games. That can't happen. As much as you can say Brock Purdy has fallen to earth even pre-concussion. As much as you can criticize everything, but to me, the thing I would criticize the most about the Niners now is that they don't have that sort of feared defensive front that I think they've paid for. And I think it's incumbent not just on Nick Bosa. I think it's incumbent on that entire front uh, to play better. And I'm sure that that has been one of the rallying cries in practice this week. And now they see the Bengals come to town, rematches of both Super Bowls 16 and 23. Joe Burrow says he feels 100% because they've had the bye week. We need to take a break, Peter, but I want to raise this one point with you. You know the scheduling process better than anyone. You have interviewed everyone at every level of the the very convoluted, detailed machinations that go into putting the full slate of games together. How does it end up that the Bengals have 14 days between games and the 49ers have six. Like it's already a disadvantage when you play the week that your next opponent is off. But when you play Monday night on the road on the week that your next opponent is off, there's just a level of unfairness that creeps in that I'd like to think is avoidable. Or is it just unavoidable with all the different needles they have to thread? Is it just crap happens? Yeah. I think it's, I'm not saying it's unavoidable. I'm just saying things like that are very hard to avoid. 
because there are so many things that are must-dos, okay? You have so many mouths to feed with all the different networks. They are trying to emphasize as much as possible for Fox and CBS to have advantageous Sunday afternoon schedules instead of having their entire schedule pillaged for primetime games. So there's that. But I think the biggest thing is the NFL, I I don't want to say struggles, but the NFL is going to have this. I bet you can look at five instances during the course of this year where coming off a bye, some team has a tremendous advantage. Now, the only disadvantage of the Bengals is that they got to fly 2,500 miles. But, you know, that's not that big a deal. Um, and I've also, the way the Bengals season has gone, it's great to have Joe Burrow have an extra week off before he faces the Niners and the Bills. I mean, that's, that's huge for him. But I I'm not saying it's unavoidable. I just think it's really, really hard to answer every question and have everything. Like, last thing I'll say. One of the things that they have really tried hard to eliminate is three straight road games. Um, and, and that comes at a cost because then that bumps another problem for some team, you know, into the four. And, and Mike, I, I'm not saying that the process is perfect. I am saying that, man, they look at an awful lot of schedules. And I do think back in the day, you know, when they when Val Pinchbeck did it by hand, there were some pretty awful schedules, but nobody really paid attention to it in those days. Now you have people microanalyzing everybody's schedule. So I just think it's part of the NFL getting huge. Well, back in the 70s, there were no buys. There were no short week games other than Thanksgiving and that one Thursday night that they did because they didn't want to go up against the World Series on a Sunday. So it was an easier process of avoiding these imbalances. And bottom line, Bengals get an advantage. They got 14 days between games. Joe Burrow is feeling 100%, and they may not have to see Brock Purdy. They may get the 49ers back up, which, frankly, may not be much of a difference because Kyle Shanahan really likes Sam Darnold. But regardless, advantage Bengals based upon the way the schedule was put together. Let's take a break. Speaking of health, Tyreek Hill. It sounded in the middle of the week like maybe he wouldn't play on Sunday. We'll hear from him directly as to whether he'll be able to go when the Dolphins and the Patriots get together for the second time this year. We'll do that as part of a grab bag on several Week 9 matchups next. Or Week 8. Week 9, Week 8. You know. Around any corner... Within every battle, and with the dawn of each new day, the threat of the unexpected, the unpredictable, and the unrelenting lies in wait. But Marines will always be there. They are the constant in the chaos. No matter the battlefield, Marines adapt to win, defeating every shifting threat, protecting our nation's future. The few, the proud, the Marines. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. 
So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Do you want a beautiful lawn? Enter True Green, the easiest way to get a great lawn. Just water and mow, and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and more. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour, and they have a verified best price, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com, T-R-U-G-R-E-E-N.com, to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people. Guaranteed. Is there much pain? Do you have an injury? Or are you fine for Sunday? No, nah, I just wanted some attention, man, because my mom went talking to me yesterday, so I needed some attention from somebody. Good. No, I'm good, though. Good. You plan on playing play on Sunday? Sunday? Yeah, baby. Yeah, I'm good, baby. Dolphins receiver Tyreek Hill back at practice on Thursday. The way that quarterback Tua Tonga-Bailoa spoke about Hill on Wednesday it just created this weird impression he was going to be out for a while because he said something along the lines of, we'll get Tyreek back down the line at some point. Like, what, 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 what are you talking about? So looks like they're not going to miss him at all. He has a hip injury. It happened late in the game against the Eagles, but it looks like he'll be good to go for the Patriots coming to town on Sunday. Two and five Patriots, five and two Dolphins. Fill in a blank for me, Peter. Dolphins will bank, bounce back from their loss to the Eagles by... What against the Patriots? A touchdown. Not a lot. And I think the reason is that, look, the Dolphins are a better team. But I think what the Patriots proved last week is that they're not hopeless. And if they play, if their quarterback plays well, they're not hapless. And I talked to Mac Jones after the game, and what really interested me about our conversation, and look, you expect guys to say the right things when you talk to them after games, particularly quarterbacks. They are well-schooled in what Bernie Kosar once told me is the fifth quarter. And I said, the fifth quarter? He goes, yeah, it's standing up in front of the public and talking after a game. And basically, if the sky is falling, making sure that everybody knows, hey, the sky isn't falling. And if you just won by 20, to make sure that everybody knows that, hey, we haven't arrived yet. We still got a long way to go. You know, basically, you know, making sure the waters are calm. But what really impressed me about Mac Jones is that I'm going to read you a couple of sentences from him. And I thought as soon as we got off the phone, this guy has played seven years at high-level college football and in the NFL. And his two coaches have been Nick Saban and Bill Belichick. So I'll read you. When I asked him, how hard is it when you consider all the stuff that is going around and swirling outside the building, both about your team and about Bill Belichick? And he said... I wouldn't say it's hard at all. You got to know that what's going on outside the building doesn't matter. It's only what we're doing inside the building. And that's easy to say. But Mike, if you've played for Bill Belichick and you've played for Nick Saban, you get used to not paying attention to 
the rat poison. And I'm not being critical of anybody, media, coach, anybody, anything. I'm just simply stating a fact. When your team is kind of in the toilet, the way the Patriots were, the reason that I always think that it's never going to be really bad is just the same reason why I think that way with the, with the Steelers. Because Bill Belichick and Mike Tomlin have a hold of that locker room. And they're not going to let it happen. They're not going to let ridiculous losses build on each other. And that's why I think the Patriots will play a competitive game Sunday. One of the things about Bill Belichick, and I think this is one of the reasons why Brandon Staley is going to be out of a job by the time the season ends, if not sooner, Belichick knows how to play the teams in his division. He knows how to defend the offenses in his division. He shut down the Bills last week. He'll keep it close with the Dolphins. And I'm with you. 27-20, I think, is the the wild guess that I pulled out of thin air yesterday, but I think the Dolphins by seven makes sense. The Dolphins are too good for the Patriots to outscore, especially in Miami, but Belichick knows that team well enough, knows how to defend it to keep it close. And I mentioned Staley, not for gratuitous reasons. I like Brandon Staley, but when you face Travis Kelsey twice a year and you don't cover him at all, that's a problem. That's a guy in your division that you should be all over all the time. And Bill Belichick would not let that stand because he doesn't let it stand. He won't let Tyreek Hill kill the Patriots on Sunday. Someone else will supply the points, but he'll make sure it's not Tyree Kill. You mentioned the Steelers. Jaguars 5-2 and two coming to town. The Jaguars hold the distinction once upon a time of beating the Steelers twice in Pittsburgh the same season, regular season, and then later in the playoffs. The Steelers surprisingly 4-2. and two. Let's have a listen to George Pickens, Steelers receiver, on the Jacksonville defense that will be coming to the field formerly known as Hines. I think their D-line, they depend on their D-line a lot. Uh, with their team, you know, having a lot of first-round guys on um, that D-line, that's what they depend on a lot. And they kind of, you know, hope, you know what I mean, hope the guys hold up long enough, hope. So it's kind of a hope defense for sure. You know, that's the kind of comment that could maybe get some folks in Jacksonville's attention, but I don't think it matters. I think if the Steelers commit to getting the ball to George Pickens whenever he's single, single covered or scheming ways to get to him, and I feel like they're getting there. Kenny Pickett talked about it earlier this week to Adam Shine of Sirius XM Mad Dog Radio. We got to get this guy the ball when he's one-on-one, and I, I think there's some merit to what he's saying. I don't know that I'd say it out loud until after the game, but yeah, Jaguars rely on their front four to get to the quarterback, and if they don't, you got some opportunities on the back end. Yeah, and I, I, I don't want to go back to another conversation, but I spoke with Pickett for 20, 25 minutes in camp, and he emphasized how important it was going to be this year to learn to throw to George Pickens when he had people on him. You know, because he's so competitive uh, in contested catches. And I think that is an urgent thing that the Steelers have to do because Pickens to me is so much better he's so clearly the best skill player on this team right now so I think you're going to continue to see that uh and look you know that I also think that Pickens could throw more interceptions too because of this that really doesn't bother me because I think the reward is going to be great 
if he continues to try to form this bond with Pick with Pickens. So buy or sell, George Pickens will torch the Jaguars secondary on Sunday. What does torch mean exactly? Does that mean over 100 yards? Let's say over 90. I'll buy that because I think that the mentality inside this team right now is we're going to give him 8 to 10 chances. And I think he will, you know, I think he'll get around 100 yards this game because I think he's going to have enough chances to make those plays. And by the way, before we move on, I'm reminded of this every time I see video from inside the Steelers practice locker room. There's something quaint about it because it just doesn't seem very nice. (laughs) And it's just, it's, it's like somebody's basement. If we have a shot of that, they got the drop ceiling. They got stuff piled up everywhere. They're just hanging out in somebody's basement. <laughs> it's just, it's just, I like that. I, there's just <laughs> something about that that feels like it's got a little bit of a throwback element to it. All right. Dog of the week time. Take your pick, Peter. Which underdog do you like to win this weekend? I want to say t- two things about underdogs this week. To me... It is incredible that the Packers are only a one-point dog to Minnesota. It is incredible to me that the Colts are one-point dogs to New Orleans. That, That just, both of those things seem odd to me. But the one I'm going to take is I'm going to take the Steelers. And I, I'm not a gambler, but I saw this number during the week, and it's a testament to Mike Tomlin. Their last eight games that they've been underdogs, the Steelers are 7-1. and one. I rest my Steelers as dog's case. And, you know, I, I'm a big fan of the Mike Tomlin keep it close, shock the world approach. I picked them to beat the Browns. I picked them to beat the Ravens. I had no faith last week against the Rams. I should have. This week, I, I just... I feel like to beat the Steelers, you got to get up 14 points quickly and don't give them a chance to make it close, make it interesting, have the crowd come alive and come back and beat you. I, I You mentioned the Colts. I don't know how they're one-point underdogs at home against the Saints after what we saw from the Saints last Thursday night, and we spent plenty of time talking about the dysfunction offensively that they're dealing with. I'm going to reiterate what I did yesterday on the Joint Mega Picks podcast with Chris Sims because what we do on Sunday night, Everybody makes their pick at the end of the show. And Chris and I are at somewhat of a disadvantage because we proclaim our picks to the public on Thursday. So it's not like we can change them. It's not like we can hold them. It's not a surprise. But I decided to go with the Bears against the Chargers for two reasons. Tyson Bagent, fellow West Virginian. I like what I saw last week from him. Well, and there's a third reason. Second reason is the Chargers aren't very good. The third reason is I don't want Football Night in America to be the Monday meme that the Bears social media blasts out to everyone because everybody picked the Chargers to win. So I'm willing to take the loss, if it comes to it, to avoid the outcome of everyone picking the Chargers and the Bears winning. And I really do think the Bears can win. The way they played on Sunday against the Raiders and just how the Chargers have looked lately, I, there'll be a lot of Bears fans out there, Peter. I think the Bears can pull it off. I think they definitely can pull it off. I don't think they will, but I think they can. 
And one of the things is, did you notice, did you hear all the talk out of the, um, out of the Bears locker room in the last couple of days? You know what it is? Man, we love this Tyson Bajan. He is totally unafraid. And I think there's something to that for a quarterback. Hey, by the way, last year, this week, you were playing Shippensburg or, or whoever. Millersville, <laughs> whatever it is. I, Bloomsburg, I don't know. Pick one. Uh, you know, Southern Connecticut. And this week, you are playing Justin Herbert. <laughs> you know, I mean, and Khalil Mack is going to try to kill you. <laughs> you know, so I just, I look at this and I look, kind of look at this game and I say, they, the Bears may lose the game but their quarterback is going to go down brawling. It was Bloomsburg last year, this weekend. It was senior day and military appreciation day for Shepherd University against Bloomsburg. Coming off they had 5, of a big win. There. Yeah. A big win at Westchester the prior week. And before that, they blew out Millersville for their homecoming game. That was Tyson Bajan's life a year ago. This year, it's coming in unexpectedly against the Vikings and almost winning, beating the Raiders, and now going to SoFi Stadium, the swankiest, newest facility in the NFL, and playing the Chargers on NBC in primetime in front of millions of people. What a difference a year makes for Tyson Bajan. And this is a conversation for next week, but I just – I don't – I wonder how many wins is necessary for him to just become the guy and Justin Fields' thumb isn't 100%, and we're just going to ride this out for as long as it lasts. I I don't know. We'll see. Next step is win Sunday night, and maybe the Bears will have what they can call a good problem. All right, by the way, don't forget, because I almost did again. DraftKings Sportsbook this season. New customers can bet $5 and pocket 200 bucks in bonus bets instantly. Plus, all customers can get a no-sweat, same-game parlay every day. Download the app and use the promo code PFTLIVE when you sign up. DraftKings Sportsbook, the crown is yours. More PFT Live right after this. See all that jet life. Jet life, jet life, jet life. That's right, JetLife Stadium on Sunday. It's happening. The New York Giants hosting the New York Jets. The Jets are two-and-a-half-point favorites without Aaron Rodgers because the Jets have kind of found something. It dates back to that Sunday night game against the Chiefs week four, down 17 nothing. They turned a corner. They haven't lost since then. They've only played two games since then because they were on a bye, but they have looked good. First time they've gotten together since 2019. Giants had won five straight in the series before the Jets won the last two. Uh, Let's have a listen before we break this down of Zach Wilson on how that Chiefs game I just mentioned was the turning point for the backup quarterback to Aaron Rodgers. The last two years, I think, you know, tough spot and whatever with how it was mentally. um, But it was finally like this year, that Chiefs game, not only, you know, maybe a turning point like you said but finally things felt like what I've been doing in practice at least what I felt like I've been doing 
in practice since OTAs was like, oh, look, it finally is coming on, you know, and um, for whatever reason, I mean, it takes time, you get different looks, and you need to get comfortable with things, but I felt like finally that was the first game that was like, you know what, this is what I've been showing I can do, and I was able to do it, you know, and um, kind of gains more trust with the guys around you as well and they have more trust in me I have more trust in them and with coach hack as well too and we're able to keep building on that and um, you know it's a good good feeling to have and you know Peter it it's a illustration of how quickly quarterbacks get chewed up and spit out in the NFL when in the grand scheme of things how many opportunities do they really have to have the game slow down to get to the point where what they're practicing surfaces on game day. It's one game a week, fresh train coming down the tracks, and everything you do is hyper-analyzed and scrutinized. Sometimes it takes a little time to get to your ceiling, or at least to begin to approach it. And we see, you know, it used to be five years. Terry Bradshaw got five years to figure it out. Now you're lucky if you get three. Hell, people are already asking me, do the Packers need to get rid of Jordan Love? It's like, it's his first year. He sat on the bench for three years. It's his first year of playing. It's amazing how impatient the NFL is with quarterbacks. And you see a guy like Zach Wilson, finally, after everyone had given up on him, he's finally starting to, to put it together. You know, I, when you start, when I was listening to Zach Wilson, I called up on pro football reference, Terry Bradshaw. And I, I looked and I saw that, you know, in Terry Bradshaw's first four years, okay, these, this is the first pick in the draft, first pick in the draft in 1970. And in his first four years, he threw 41 touchdowns with 73 interceptions. And Jeez. he felt pressure, <laughs> obviously, from from Chuck Knoll, um, he felt like he didn't have anybody's support. Mentally, he was struggling mightily, mightily. Can you imagine Terry Bradshaw today, Mike, in the social media era? You know, Zach Wilson was chewed up and spit out after two years. Get this guy out of here. I never want to see him again. And look, everybody on TV... And, and again, I'm not even saying he's going to be good. I don't know what he's going to be. But I will just say that Terry Bradshaw was mostly awful in his first three or four years in the NFL. And he became a Hall of Fame quarterback. They won four Super Bowls with Terry Bradshaw playing quarterback. In the last two Super Bowls, he became a great, not good, but a great trigger man in an explosive passing offense. So what all I'm saying, and I've heard the same questions about Jordan Love, and I said, are you out of your friggin' minds? Are you out of your minds? I mean, do you know that in the middle of Brett Favre's third year, the coaching staff in Green Bay took a vote on who should be the starter on the team because Favre was stinking it up? I mean, you know, you have got to be patient with quarterbacks. You might see things that are non-starters. I get it. But look, I applaud Zach Wilson. I don't know what he's going to become. But all I can say is 
He has looked in the last two weeks competent. Last three weeks, including the Kansas City game. He's looked competent. So let's just let nature take its course and let's see if this guy can be saved, salvaged, and then sits behind uh, Aaron Rodgers next year and gets even better with the lessons he's going to learn in 2024. I'm assuming Rodgers plays next year. I think it's a it's a pretty clear assumption that at least he'll try to play. But but I applaud all the people like Robert Sala, who even though nobody saw it, and he had to say it, Mike. Robert Sala had to say it. He had no alternatives. He doesn't have Mike, the Mike White security blanket anymore. He had to say it. That Zach Wilson's our guy. I'm confident in him, all that stuff. And look, I think too, Nathaniel Hackett started calling the game like he wasn't afraid of his quarterback. He started calling the game like, I think this guy can make plays. And he's made a few. So let's see where it takes us. And a great opportunity on Sunday to get to four and three and remain in the thick of things for a playoff spot in the AFC. We'll take a break and have more PFT Live for you right after this. Might not even want to play for the Browns. Like you might be looking for somewhere else to go. Why would I do that? I, I, I'm not saying it. I'm just saying that's just some a national, someone national. Yeah, you know, like threw that out there. I mean, none of those national people know me. They don't talk to me. So why would why would anybody listen to any of that stuff? All that is speculation. So if it ain't coming from me, then all the other is bullshit. So. You, you know why we would think that, Deshaun? You know why we would think that you might not want to play for the Browns? Because it was just a few years ago that you didn't want to play for the Texans. After you took a, a big contract from them in September, by the end of the year you decided you didn't want to play for them anymore and you never played for them again. And you emerged on the other side of 25-plus lawsuits alleging sexual misconduct during massage therapy sessions with a $46 million per year fully guaranteed five-year contract. You won. So as I said the other day, Peter... And this goes back to my days of delivering newspapers and using rubber bands. Once you stretch a rubber band to a certain point, it's very easy to stretch it back to that point again. And I always say when you trade for a guy who fell out of love with the team he was playing for, you better be prepared for him to feel that way about you at some point. That's why the question's being asked. There's a weird vibe. We don't know what's going on. You've got coach saying he was medically cleared to play against the Browns. Everyone feels like they're tiptoeing around the situation in part because of the fully guaranteed contract that runs through 2025. So that's the reason, Deshaun. Something seems off, and you've already gone down the path before in your career of saying, I don't want to play for this team anymore and not playing for the team. He sat out all of 2021. He sat out the entire season, and they paid him to sit out the entire season because he didn't want to play for the Houston Texans. So this isn't the first time it's happened if it's happening again. There's a great American sports writer, Joe Posnanski, who had a great line this week. And he said, he's a Clevelander, and he said the Deshaun Watson saga just gets weirder and weirder and weirder. And truer words have not been spoken. Because, look, we have seen what has happened since Deshaun Watson signed his contract with the Cleveland Browns. And I, 
I think that it's quite likely that we will reach the end of year two of that contract without knowing if the Browns made a okay decision or totally got fleeced. It certainly doesn't look like it's going to be a great decision, but who knows? We'll see. Because, Mike, I think when I look at Deshaun Watson right now and the huge question marks over his head, I just keep thinking back to it has now been 10 games, 10 football games he has played. He has started, rather, 10, 10 of them. There hasn't been one of those 10, not a single one where you watch the game and you say, boy, that's the Deshaun Watson that the Browns paid for. Not one, not a single one. So if you're Jimmy and D Haslam and you're watching this unfold and now, you know, and again, look, and you watch quarterbacks like Patrick Mahomes look like they just got their ankle caved in and, uh, and, and, and he's screaming at Andy Reid, let me stay in the game. I can play, I can play. And then you just watch Deshaun Watson, whose coach two weeks earlier said he was medically cleared, and then he wasn't cleared. And I do not think it's smart at all to question whether a guy should or shouldn't play because of an injury, because you just don't know. However, I know what I see with other players, and I just haven't seen that in Deshaun Watson. And again, maybe it is the pain is intolerable, and I get it. That's entirely possible. But I just don't ever think that I would see Deshaun Watson do what Patrick Mahomes did, which is go up to Andy Reid on the sidelines and scream at him to say, do not take me out of this game. I just, you know, he seems like a, like a passive dude. And I don't know, you're a quarterback in the NFL, you're a passive dude, and you've, you've over the first two years of your career, you're going to make $92 million. And what have we seen in the first year and a half? Not much. And not much good. Your quarterback rating is under 80. It's, it's, anyway, Mike, it's a weird situation in Cleveland is all I'll say. I'm making no conclusions at this point other than it's a weird situation. And I'm not saying he doesn't want to play for the Browns. All I'm saying is three years ago he decided he didn't want to play for the Texans. So we know he's capable of coming to that conclusion, drawing a hard line, and thinking he's going to get what he wants. And the Browns have gotten fleeced here when you look at the return so far. Beyond the $46 million per year for five years, they gave up a first-round pick and a fourth-round pick in 2022, a first-round pick and a third-round pick in 2023, and they still owe the Texans a one and a four next year. So beyond the money, look at the, look at the nucleus of great young talent they have handed to the Houston Texans. This has been – it's not quite a disaster yet for the Browns, but, boy, it's, it's knocking on disaster's door. And we'll see how the rest of this season plays out. Show me something, Draft, next on PFT Live. You know what time it is as we wrap up Friday's PFT Live with a slate of games coming. It's Show Me Something Draft. And, Peter, you're up. 
Show me something, Russell Wilson. Now, look, I know the Chiefs have beaten the Broncos 16,000 times in a row. And I know that there's nobody out there who really expects the Denver Broncos to win this game, even if it's in the Mile High City. I don't care if it's in Sean Payton's bedroom, this game. doesn't matter. You know, Kansas City's better. The quarterback is better in Kansas City. We all get it. But Russell Wilson earned a ransom to, in, you know, when he got his new contract in Denver. He cost the Denver Broncos a lot. Cost so much that very likely, if this is a washout this year, he could cost the general manager his job. But having said all those things, at some point you got to rise up. And you got to win a game you shouldn't win. That's this game for Russell Wilson. Show me something, Russell Wilson, against Kansas City in your stadium on Sunday. I'll say this. If Sean Payton's bedroom is big enough to play a football game in it, I want to see the rest of the house. Um, show me something, <laughs> Thomas Brown. I was going to say Bryce Young, but I don't want to put it all on Bryce Young because you know what? It's not Bryce Young's fault that David Tepper and the rest of the Carolina Panthers organization decided to trade up from number nine to number one to make Bryce Young the number one overall pick in the draft and put all that extra pressure on him. And then C.J. Stroud has a great start to his career, and everyone's wondering what's wrong with Bryce Young. Well, Frank Reich has made the decision to delegate the play-calling function on offense to Thomas Brown, the offensive coordinator. So it's on Brown to orchestrate the offense in a way that makes Bryce Young look like the guy that they think he is. This is one of the reasons why I'm a big proponent of more quarterbacks top of the draft to do what John Elway did in 83 and what Eli Manning did in 2004 and say, I'm not playing for your team because what your coaching staff does, what your GM does, what your owner does is going to stick to me. So I was going to say, show me something Bryce Young I'm opting instead to say, show me something Thomas Brown, because this is his chance to begin the process of convincing everyone that the Panthers made the right choice when they took Bryce Young. Show me something Desmond Ritter. Look, this is not the marquee game of the weekend, Atlanta, Tennessee. It's not even that interesting a game, but it's very important for the career of Desmond Ritter. They're going to play a franchise that would trade the janitor if somebody would offer them a pick swap in the seventh round. Okay, so this is a team that is playing for 2024, whatever it is that they say. Okay, and so right now you look at it, these are the kind of games that a team like the Atlanta Falcons, four and three, has to win. And Desmond Ritter has to be the guy to go on the road into Nashville and play well enough somehow, some way to get the Atlanta Falcons a win that they really have to have. Show me something, Derek Carr, other than the thing that you showed me the last time you played. I don't want to see clips of Derek Carr making faces and making gestures 
at players that he thinks aren't playing up to his lofty standards of what football should be. It continues to be a talking point for the Saints. I continue to reject his efforts to explain that he wasn't really calling out Chris Olave when he clearly was. The mic'd up video is out there. Derek Carr needs to rebuild the relationships with his teammates. They need to find a way to get on the same page. They need to go into a hostile environment like Lucas Oil Stadium and beat a Colts team that is better than they're getting credit for. I continue to be amazed that the Saints are favored in this one. But Derek Carr needs to show me behaviors and performance that is more more befitting this $40 million or whatever it is, the, 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 whatever the number is that the Saints decided to pay him, it looks like it's too much. We got to take a break. Round three of the Show Me Something draft when PFT Live continues right after this. All right, that's what we have so far. It's Show Me Something time. Round three. Peter King, you're up. Show me something, Sam Howell. You know, I am not joining the chorus of those who say, get rid of Sam Howell, he can't do it. I've been impressed with Sam Howell. You know why? Because he's completed two-thirds of his passes while getting beaten like a pinata all season long. Leads the NFL with 40 sacks taken. Leads the NFL in quarterback pressures slash hits. And so what do you expect out of this guy? And by the way, by the way, the last two games of the Eagles and Commanders series, Commanders 63, Eagles 55. This will be a game. Show me something, Sam Howell. Show me something, Kirk Cousins. Specifically, show me the guy you showed me on Monday night. Show me Monday night wasn't a fluke. Show me Monday night was the moment where the Kevin O'Connell offense and the Kirk Cousins abilities merged together into a higher level of performance that can be sustained. Go to Lambeau Field, beat an overmatched Packers team, and get to 500, which would have been unbelievable a few weeks ago. That's it. We're done. See you Monday. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.